Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, the place where the Raider Nation calls home since 1998. And now, live, it's time. Harwell will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Suffolk all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end Jackpot, baby. Pinion drink takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT here in Vegas in studio today with DeMond running the board. Q coming up next. Vinny Bonsignor, Lincoln Kennedy. I interviewed Rich Basaccia earlier today. We'll replay that tomorrow or play it for the first time. Uh, for the first time, even before you see it on TV, we do that exclusively here on the flagship. So we had a good conversation about the victory. He was in a really good spot. Not that he always hasn't been. But, you know, my first couple of weeks, I interviewed Coach Gruden. Then we made the transition to Coach Passaccia. And it's been really a smooth transition, I think we'd all say. Coach Passaccia got this team to the playoffs. 3-0 and start, 5-2. and Then it looked like they were playing themselves out of the playoffs, and they went on this four-game streak. And now they're coming into the playoffs. And it's for the first time this year, I'm not blanking and moaning about the injuries. Because I've been talking about the injuries all year long because I don't believe we did a good enough job understanding the depth of the injuries. And that's why I've been giving Mike Mayock the credit he deserves because the backups are better than the starters. The reason why Littleton's not playing as much is because Diablo is ready to play. If Diablo wasn't coached up properly this year and he was kind of just this guy they were parking, Malcolm Kuntz and Diablo for next year, you would understand it. Be like, okay, they're young draft picks. We're going to develop them, and we'll see what happens in years to come. No, they were asked to play. And then other players that were able to come in, Darius Phylon. I remember. I remember it vividly. It was 108, 9 degrees. I was out in Henderson at a practice with a mask on back then in training camp, and I remember with being with Vinny Bonsignor, Ed Graney, Vic, whoever was around, saying, look at how many defensive linemen there are. And I started counting them, 9, 10. I'm like, why so many defensive linemen? You know, I'd, li- I'd rather see more players at different positions. And it, it made sense. They knew that this team would not be competitive without the defensive line. They knew they had something with Max Crosby. They were hoping they have the old Yannick Ngakwe, which they have gotten. But, man, the interior defensive line, Solomon Thomas, when you look at the players that had to step up, Phylon, Quentin Jefferson, these guys were all called on. And John Hankins, who we had on yesterday, who's a really good guest, and he's going to play in this game. Those guys got to play big. We just had on a guest, Mike Petraglia, who said the weakness of the Bengals. Now you all have this, so you're going to sound smarter all week long when you're leading up to this game. What's the weakness of the Bengals? Say it with me. Interior offensive line. Center guards. Well, we just suffered a big injury with Phylon. He's a guy that might have been able to chew these guys up and spit them out. I think Max Crosby's going to be double teamed throughout the game and chipped by the tight end. That could open up for Yannick to have a big game. And then the Raider linebackers are going to have to cover, which is not a strength. Right? What is a weakness of the Raiders? It is the linebackers covering the pass and dropping back. So if you get a linebacker off the field and bring in Nate Hobbs, I'm cool with that. Right? Give me another nickelback to cover someone and run with them, I'm fine with that. True Font, 
at corner along with Casey Hayward. I think this is a big game for Trayvon Merrick because he can't let anybody get behind him. So what's going to happen in this game, which scares me a bit or makes me nervous, I'm never scared, is Kansas City looked at the Raiders' defense and said, oh, Gus is back. Gus Bradley, we know Gus. He's going to do that three over the top, deep coverage. And what did Adams do? Just picked it apart underneath. What did Burrow do in the last game? He didn't throw for big yards. He chucked the ball underneath, and it worked. The Jamar Chase touchdown that Jonathan Abram gave up in the first game where he bit and Chase went behind him, and I said on this show, how do you let Chase get behind you in the red zone? Like the one thing you do is if he catches it in front of you and he scores, you can't be that soft. you got to at least meet him at the goal line, and Chase got behind everybody. That's what Kelsey does all the time. That's what, you know, when you see Tyreek Hill does it all the time. Well, Chase didn't do it in the first game. He wasn't able to get behind them all day because they were too busy running the ball with Mixon. And the reason they were running it well with Mixon is he was breaking through the defensive line and the linebackers were not fast enough to get to him. And then he was running in the third level. And the secondary had to bring him down. I remember that game well. I think that was one of the games. The game that upset me the most this year was the Bears game because there were too many Bears fans there. Understandably, they got big money. They came in, they overpaid for the tickets. The Bengals game bothered me, but the game wasn't close. When I when I walked over with Eric Allen to the post-game show, it wasn't close. It wasn't like, oh my God, they lost a close game, they could have won. No, they, they were beat. They were handedly beat in that game. The Giant game was close, but they played their poorest game there. And then you start looking at the other games that they lost. There weren't many down the stretch. They beat the Colts. They were rock solid. In that win against the Browns, even though it was worth worth against Nick Mullins. But now they're facing a great young quarterback. And the good news is they just beat a quarterback that I think is actually better than Joe Burrow. That's a poll question if I had one. Or the text line. Uh, Who's better, Joe Mixon or Justin Herbert? That's a good question. If you had to start a franchise right now, new franchise, not the Raiders, who would you start it with, Herbert or would you go with Burrow? Burrow already had a big injury to his knee, but he's 100%. I'd go Herbert. I think Herbert has a bigger arm. I think he can make great throws, but look, this Burrow throws for 500 yards in some games. 450 yards. He is scary. So Adam Schefter reported the Texans today had a big day. They fired their head coach, David Culley, and then they just fired their offensive coordinator, and he put that out 19 minutes ago. The Texans also fired their OC, Tim Kelly. So there's a house cleaning with New York Giants, with the Texans. And then Adam Schefter put this out, which I think is important to say. When the Texans hired David Culley, they only guaranteed him two years of money. They knew there always was a real chance he would be one and done. As one league source texted about his one-year tender, I knew it when he was hired. Well, that isn't good. I don't like that when you just hire a guy and you think you're going to fire him. That's a crap organization that does that. How about this? Also, uh, Adam Schefter retweeted, with David Culley's firing by the Texans after only one season combined, with Brian Flores fired Monday by the Dolphins, the NFL has only one active black head coach, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. How the hell are we in 2021 with one African-American head coach? Let that, let that sink in for a moment. 
How is that possible? A league dominated by black players, and there's one black head coach in Mike Tomlin. How is that possible in this league? I don't. I don't. I can't answer that. So you're telling me that Byron Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy aren't going to be two of the first three guys hired? They should not be hired because of their color. They should be hired because they're great coaches. But the fact that we have the Rooney Rule in place and African-American candidates get interviewed but don't get hired is atrocious. It's a black eye on this league. The fact that we're dealing with this in 2021, I can't believe it. And the big news today is the Colts aren't committing to Carson Wentz. They're not fully committed. Hmm, that's interesting. I'll tell you, I'm going to stand by this one. I'd do everything possible to get Andrew Luck to come out of retirement. The guy's had a couple of years off. I'd just sit down with him and go, look, you're a quarterback. You're not an architect. You're a quarterback. Come out, please, and help us. And maybe he would do that. But uh, that's not good news if you're a fan there. So there's a lot of other news happening here. We'll look at the moving lines coming up. Vic Tafer, Johnny Katz in a little bit, and your phone calls. And if you're joining us late, my call to action today was who are the biggest Raider haters? We were going to have an exorcism on the show. Who are the Raider haters in the media in your life that jumps ship or just takes cheap shots? Who are they? Expose them today in the final 50 minutes of the broadcast. Raider T in New York, you're up next. Thanks for calling. Hi, JT. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Listen, um, a couple of points. On the Raider-hater thing, two of your callers hit a bullseye. Uh, Colin Cowart, for sure, is number one. And to watch him trip over his words late in the season and then all of a sudden do a 180 and Mm -hmm. say, well, I do like Derek Carr because he talks to his brother David all the time. Um, It's just so fake and so plastic. There's there's the Constants, which is ESPN, and the and the Good Morning Football crew. They all talk crap about the Raiders constantly, constantly. I listen to this stuff from training camp all the way up to just for four weeks ago, you know. And they still, even when they win, they don't give. They talk about how San Diego lost the. I'm sorry, San Diego, Los Angeles lost the game, not how the Raiders won the game. Yeah, they, you know, I don't watch that show. I don't. I really don't. I watch other things in the morning, but I don't watch that at, at all. But, you know, Colin and his comments on this, too. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know the Raiders. They don't know the roster. They don't know the players. They don't know the coaches. They rely on information from other people. And when you're based in L.A., I lived in L.A. for 10 years. The Raiders were never out of sight, out of mind, because there are Raider fans everywhere. I'm, I'm just surprised that so many people, as we, I had a caller earlier say, Before the season started, the amount of media that was in love with the Broncos and kept saying the Broncos are just a quarterback away, and I'm like, the same Broncos that have been swept by the Raiders two years in a row, you'll get this, T. The Broncos had more positive press in the preseason and the regular season than the Raiders, and the Raiders have swept them two seasons in a row. Absolutely, and and that's kind of what what I was alluding to as far as the whole. I've been a Raiders fan since 76. I watched them win their first Super Bowl with my dad. And I just never could really understand. I don't know if it was because of the whole Al Davis battle mm. with the commissioner or whatever, but it's just it's so prominent that any any of the announcers that I hear, some of them I don't even know, and they always talk down about the Raiders. The one guy said about the uh, Sunday night crew, mm. uh, I was waiting for Al Davis, or I'm sorry, for Al Michaels to start. And he actually was kind of conservative, but Brett Musburger definitely was slanted. 
definitely slanted. And when the Raiders went up on him, he, it was like he was silent. He didn't even know what to say. He was like, oh, oh well, uh, this is very surprising. You know, it's just, I, I don't know what it is, but the Raiders cannot catch a break other than with your flagship station. Yep, appreciate and it. The other thing that yep. I wanted to say real quick, if I could slide it in here, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, being long-winded, but um, I have to say that midway through, when, the, when they lost to the Giants, actually, it was for me. I was like, it's over. It's happening again. And all of a sudden, for whatever happened, and they went on this roll, I, I don't even know. I told my wife, I don't even know what team I'm watching right now because they have definitely like went into a different zone, a different level. And it's like I'm in awe. Normally, like, I got you. Dude, you're going long-winded. I got to cut in, dude. I, I This is not me and you at a bar. I got to keep the show going. You had a lot of good points. Let me jump in here. We got a lot of people I got to get to. I'm interested in what you said, though, when you said, what, what team is this? I'm I'm embedded with the team. I see the team a lot. Talk to the coaches and the players, text some players, have good relationships. And I didn't think this team, I knew they would, I, I picked them this year to win nine games. I thought I got it right. I thought nine wins would get them in the playoffs. Nine wins in the NFC. Look at, you know, Philadelphia getting in. So I was off by a game, but I didn't think the Raiders were a dominant team. And I don't think the Raiders have played very well in these last few games, other than in spots. That's what's bothered me the last couple of weeks in Indy and in Cleveland. I mean, in Cleveland, they played a third-string quarterback and barely won. That would have ended the season. I don't think they played a great game, but they had a great drive at the end to set up a field goal. I want to see the Raiders play a great game. And with the Chargers, I saw several explosive plays, which is the perfect team to play before you play the Bengals, correct? Play the Chargers first that force you to play up-tempo and then do it again against the Bengals. Vic Tafer joining us next from The Athletic. JT back with you. Good to have you back as the Raiders get set. Ready to roll out to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Vic Tafer, kind enough to join us all season long from The Athletic. Raiders insider. So, Vic, uh, I just got the injury report while we got you on hold here and just looked at it. Overall, compared to what you saw this year, the tackles are a little bit banged up, but are you encouraged that the Raiders are getting a little bit healthier at the right time? Yeah, I think Hankins is going to play. I know he's still a little banged up, but um, obviously Darius Fylon was a big loss last week. But they had some depth there. Uh, Darren Square has done okay at least played. So I think they are. Darren Waller looked good in practice. So I think they definitely are uh, in a good spot this week health-wise. Hey, Vic, that's important. Let's stay on the depth of the defensive line, especially D-tackle this year. Max and Yannick, we know what they can do, but those guys are unsung heroes, the way they played some of these games and just gave the Raiders a chance. Yeah, none bigger than uh, Quentin Jefferson. I thought he was huge last week. He was back there as much as, as Max was. He was really good the last month, but even all year long. Just a strong veteran guy who gave you some push in the middle. So, yeah, nice rotation going. I think they have for those guys that helped out, Max and Yannick, and, and vice versa. Uh, what have you seen from Divine Diablo and the fact that the coaches had him ready to play in case it was time, and it has been time? And when you look at the tape and you're at the game in the press box and afterwards, what, did, what are you getting out of what he's doing and how he was coached up? Yeah, I like his upside. Definitely, you see his athletic ability. He definitely has some range. Uh, he kind of replaced uh, Claire Wilton pretty quickly. They once he got a chance to, I think you see why. He's got more big play you know, mobility and he has more range. and Also, probably better coverage uh, Ability, which is kind of a, supposed to be the ultimate strength that never really happened, though. So I think it was a nice segue. I think he definitely uh, looks to be a guy there for, for a while at that spot. 
Vic, when you go back to the last game and now you look at the tape and wonder what they're going to do, I talked to Coach Pasaccia today about it, and that's a game in the past. It got away from them late. I think they were more competitive in that game than people are giving them credit for, but the game got away on a late turnover and then another easy score. They held Chase to three receptions in that game and a touchdown there. I don't think you can hold a guy like check like that anymore. How do you see it? Yeah, I agree. I think definitely listening to Joe Burrow this week, I think that's definitely a challenge they're taking the Flyers. Chase not being a huge factor last time. I think that'll be a part of their, their plan this week. And also, you know, like last time, Joe Mixon kind of warmed down. That's still going to be an issue this time. Their run defense is not great. The Raiders and Joe Mixon is definitely a big time. Big time running back with a good line. Vic Tapers, our guest. Vic, the comparison of Joe Burrow to Justin Herbert. I want to get your opinion on what you saw from Herbert. I thought he was incredible on a couple of those throws in the fourth quarter, just the velocity, the ball angles, all of that. I was sitting in the stands in the lower bowl when he threw that fourth and 23 into the end zone. There were seven rated defenders back there, and they could barely move, like literally take a step before the ball was there. And can you see a comparison that's equal to that with Burrow? Yeah, I think so. I think with Herbert, it was a weird game because he made his great throws in fourth down, but he mm-hmm. kept getting the fourth down because in first, second, and third down, he wasn't making great those point. kind of throws. It was, it was a weird. And Keenan Allen didn't have a great game also. I thought that was kind of a weird thing. But uh, Burrow's definitely, uh, you know, got all the talent in the world. That's why he was the, the top pick, national champion in college. He definitely has that flair about him, kind of the, uh, the big play guy. So. So he's fired up and be a great test for the various defense. Uh, Deshaun Reed tweeted it, and you retweeted it. Nicholas Morrow practicing for the Raiders. I'm just shocked by this timeline, Vic. I don't, you know, I don't know what I didn't know about this guy. How, what type of situation was it that he wasn't ready the entire season, but he's ready now because they were pretty guarded about his status all year. Yeah, it's hard to get any kind of information either from the team or from him or from his agent. But he broke his foot. He had surgery. I'm not sure if he had a setback or what, mm-hmm. but apparently he was out there this week in practice, and the uh, doctor just said that he's looked okay, but not enough reps, not enough uh, really a chance to get into this weekend. So maybe if they win this week, he come back next weekend. But, yeah, just the thing that we're, for some reason, dragged on. I think the original outlook was probably eight weeks, and obviously a lot longer than that. Hey, Vic, it's amazing to me with Waller, if the Raiders didn't go on this run, if they didn't go on the Cleveland-Indianapolis run, I don't think we would have saw them. Why? Bring them back if they weren't going to make the playoffs. I even wonder what would have happened if Baltimore would have beat Pittsburgh going into Sunday night. But here's Darren back. What can you tell us about his status and practicing and how he's how he's getting better and healthier? Yeah, he talked yesterday. He said he feels good. Before he got some rust off uh, last week, I think he was uh, looking better and doing more in practice this week. So uh, definitely a big-time weapon. I think um, – well, Taylor's always interesting because he's always a fascinating guy. He's had you know, the rehab problems in the past, and mm-hmm. it was a great story. And he mentioned how you know, having that much time off, you're not really sure about you know how you're going to slow your time. You get these bad thoughts in your head, so you have to see a therapist. It's kind of these struggles you don't think about for these guys who are on Angeles for, for a month or so. Vic, the story's still being written about Derek Carr because we've been around this team a long time, both of us, and he's never played in a playoff game coming off the injury in 2016. Anything you want to add about the way he's played the last couple of weeks? Because he hasn't had great games, but he's had clutch throws. So the entire games haven't been electric, and we've seen him do that, especially in that 3-0 and start. But now he's making some of the biggest clutch throws he's made in his entire Raider career. Yeah, no doubt. And he's also taking a lot more chances. He's definitely yeah. you know, trying to challenge guys deep and getting past interference calls, different holding calls, or some huge ones last week. So definitely a change his philosophy from – 
you know, years ago when he was kind of a more of a check down guy who didn't want to risk the ball or throw interceptions. Now he doesn't, doesn't care about interceptions. He wants you to win, and he thinks the best chance to do that is take chances down the field, make a defense respect, you know, every ounce of grass. Hey, Vic, wrapping it up, what do, you, what, get, what do you believe gives the Raiders a good chance to win this game? They're not playing the 85 Bears. They're not going up against Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. This is not one of the greatest teams of all time. I respect them. I think if the Bengals played in the AFC West, they'd be like the Raiders fighting for a wild card. What gives the Raiders the best hope that they can get this game on the road? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a lot of matchups that are possible this round. This is the one you want. They're playing them already. That's a good thing. I kind of know what to expect. Uh, to me, it's the running game. I mean, not so much. The old line hasn't gotten a lot better, but mm-hmm. for some reason, Josh Jacobs is running the ball, I think, a little harder and a little more direct, not really trying to bounce outside and sticking the yards there, there, plus more. So I think if Josh Jacobs can continue his trend the last three weeks, and they actually have a chance for the upset. Last one, where do you rank that Raider game against the Chargers all-time regular season? Because some are saying a Mount Rushmore game, one of the greatest games of all time. It delivered. And most last season epic games, Vic, don't end with that much at stake. Winner move forward, loser go home, and the potential for a tie. When you got home that evening and got back to your room after that game, what stood out to you? Yeah, I should make a list because it definitely was top five. And it's just funny because you mentioned, like, the way they, they blew that lead, the 15 point lead, and we've seen it so many times, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I'm kind of numb to it right now. You kind of, they, but they actually were able to overcome that and still win the game, which has been the thing this year. They've shown that kind of resolve this year. So, uh, definitely um, a very enjoyable game of fans. It was the best crowd by far I've seen in Vegas. Now it's just a, a promising sign for the future, but I thought it was a great night at the, the stadium. Thank you, Vic. Appreciate your time as always. Talk to you soon. How about Dick here? There he is, Vic Tafer. Appreciate him coming on. Yeah, he said top five. He's going to put a list together. I would like to read that list. And I've talked to a lot of Raider fans about the greatest regular season games of all time. Some think that's number one. I don't go back with the Raiders to 1960. You might have a different opinion. You can't rank it as one of the greatest Raider games of all time because it was regular season. You always have to elevate the games that were in the postseason. But all time, if you said all time that was the greatest regular season Raider game that you went to, I wouldn't argue with it because of what took place in the final 30 seconds. It's never happened before that way because of the tie factor and Pittsburgh and all of Pittsburgh wondering what was going to happen. You add that to that, it elevates the game. I've talked to Laker fans. My sons are Laker fans. I'm a Knicks fan. Couldn't bring them over to my side because they love Kobe. And Kobe's last ever game, you know, Kobe had an 80-point game, his last game, the 60-point game. When you look at Kobe's games, you can't say his greatest game was his last game in the regular season. It was one of the most exciting and most remarkable, but it was a regular season game. It was his last one. It magnified it. But you'll have to go to the playoffs with Kobe when you talk about those games that matter the most. Those are the games that matter the most. But the one that I just saw on Sunday night, I'm still... I'm still on cloud nine about it. I am still there. Go to John in Vegas. Uh, J-O-D, Can checking in. Raider Nation Unite. We're going to crush these Bengals this weekend, Brick. We're going to crush them. They got lucky the last time here at the Death Star, you know? J-O-D, one stake. You were there when the Bengals stayed at Virgin Hotels and came to your restaurant. So you had the Bengals in the building last time they were there. We did, Breck. We did. We're very, very, for the, very fortunate. The Baller Boys came in from the Bengals. They're all over the restaurant. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily recognize everybody, but Dustin and 
CJ and the guys, they're like, hey, Johnny, this is Tamar Chase, this is this, this is that. And I had the long snapper on the, on the, the catcher, whatever you call <laughs> the kicker. him. He, he was at the bar. They were at the bar with me. They looked like a couple of guys from Yellowstone. You know what I mean? I didn't even know they were on the, they were on the football team, you know. But, uh, was that the rodeo? Was that the, was that the rodeo? Like, they were dressed up like the rodeo, like Yellowstone? You could always oh, yeah. tell it's I the long snapper. Football players. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, there's a couple of players. And then, then I realized they kind of knew these guys. I'm like, how the hell do these guys know each other? You know what I mean? Total opposites, I'm thinking. And then we're talking and talking. And are you here for the game? Yep. I'm like, you guys are on the team. I'm like, yeah, we are. We're the long snapper on the, 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 the what, whatever. The punter. The, the punter, punter and the long snapper dressed up like Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Like it was rodeo or Undercover. something. Undercover, Brick. But uh, it was <laughs> funny. They were there. And then. They go, yeah, we got to leave at 7. We got to leave before 7. We got a big meeting. And then all of a sudden, about 10 to 7, 5 to 7, I never saw so many big guys just like it was like. Get up just, and leave. Yeah, it was like, like the fire department leaving the firehouse, <laughs> going down, the, go, 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 going down that, uh, the tube there. You know what I'm saying? Brick to go to their meeting. But uh, nice fellas. It's good to have them. But they got no shot on Sunday, Brick. They uh, got no shot. From you your know? mouth to God's ears. I'm coming in for dinner. I got my sister in town tomorrow. We come to my oh, favorite steak. Justin, One steak. I'll be in. Chef Pat, but everybody, we're looking forward to. Uh, Looking forward. It's always good to see the brick come to one steakhouse or the Virgin. And Boz, Boz and the boys, too, should be around, you know, and Michael as well, too, as well. You know, always love to see you. Give everyone right, my boys. best. Raider Nation, unite, Johnny. There he goes. J-O-D. If you listen to the show or you live in Vegas, everyone knows the legendary bartender, J-O-D. John O'Donnell, go visit him like I will be tomorrow night at one steak inside Virgin Hotels. One of the greatest steaks I've ever had. The service is second to none. Uh, the old Hard Rock. People say, oh, the old Hard Rock. No, it's Virgin Hotels now. It's a different place with the DNA back from the Hard Rock. And still, some of my favorite bartenders are there. The Shag Room now. Live music's fantastic. Just saw Journey there. And there's a couple of other nice events coming up here in the future. Oh, I'm getting after it, Devon, this weekend. Got my sister in town. You know, I love my family. I don't see my family much. So they're out here because I live in Vegas. They live in New York or Florida. So they're coming into town, and I am ready. Excited for a good weekend because I'm playing with house money. Can you imagine what I would have sounded like the last two weeks on this show if this team was eliminated and I had to sit here every day and kind of just act, put on put on this Phony. Oh, everything's going to, because I'm, I'm not going to say phony. I just did. But I would have been trying to spin the fact. I would have been talking about next year. I want to do that. I want to talk about next year. Because if the Raiders win, it's going to be another party and we'll have it organized. We'll be doing a lot of stuff in town. And if they don't win, and I think they're going to win, but if they don't, then I'm concentrating on the Super Bowl and the playoffs and what teams are left. And you're going to be hearing me interview a lot of different people, including, you know, I'm not going to have a Raider alumni on every segment after they get eliminated. It's a different show. It evolves into Golden Knights, Super Bowl, LeBron James, UNLV, and I go back to doing a talk show. The Raider Nation Radio has me throughout Raider season, and then we got the draft, we got the Pro Bowl. So we're going to have a lot of good content coming up. Still waiting on what we're planning on doing for the Super Bowl. This Q's doing an amazing job. Trying to put that together. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk to Johnny Katz, a man around town, the entertainment reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. A lot of people appreciate this because they want to know what the hell's going on. Are the shows canceled? What hotels are popping? What's going on here in town? Katz is up every night till 4 in the morning. 
going to shows, trying to figure out what's here for you and me. He'll join us coming up. Brought to you by BillsHappen.com. If you need cash, get it from Raider fans who love the Raider Nation. BillsHappen.com. BillsHappen.com. Play action. Here's Carr looking left. Firing. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Hunter Renfro first to score. Brett Musburger on the call. The Godfather. Thrilled to know him. Honor of my entire career when he throws to me after the final call live. And he gets me excited for the postgame show. That is living a dream. And that is a dream of mine. Brett Musburger is the voice of my youth. And I'm proud that he throws to me after the game. Much more excited when it's a win. And I don't want to have I don't know what that's gonna sound like. I don't want it to sound like, hey, the season's over. Let's go to JT as he calls it live from the M Club, the M Resort, Spawn Casino. Johnny Katz joins us from the Las Vegas Review Journal as we begin. A lot to get to. I'm going to see Love tonight, and I can't wait to see this Beatles search show because I've seen it already, but years ago, and I just saw the Disney documentary. I cannot wait to hear this digitally produced sound that they're always tweaking, Katz. <laughs> hey, JT, it's, uh, it's pretty fantastic what they've done with the music in that show. And, you know, Giles Martin, who's George Martin's son, who produced all the Beatles' originals, uh, original recordings at Abbey Road in the, uh, in the 1960s, uh, he has handled all the digital restoration and, uh, and mashing up of that uh, sound bed in that, uh, in that theater. And I had a chance to talk to him. I've talked to him a few times over the years, but I had a chance to talk to him a couple of months ago over there at the theater. It was a really, really interesting Q&A about, about him and about his role, he's he's part of the of uh, uh, George Martin is part of the uh, Get Back documentary that you mentioned on uh, on Disney Plus, which is fantastic if you're a Beatles fan, especially so so interesting. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big big fan of that show, and uh, yeah, they just brought it back. It was down for uh, for uh, couple of weeks, I think, and it's coming back this week. So, hey, yeah. what was that? How's that been for you? Because you're connected around town when you're hearing that shows are canceling due to COVID at the last second or day of shows, and then there are tourists in town. They're getting alerts on their phones or emails. Some are even showing up, not even looking at their emails or alerts. It's been kind of confusing. Uh, this is a unique time in the history of this great city with all these shows. Yeah, we've talked about this in, in my column. You know, I called it the uh, the uh, Omicron shuffle originally, where you had to, you know, be nimble about the way your show was performing or when it was performing. Uh, a lot of uh, it's a soft ticket buying market for a lot of these uh, production shows in Las Vegas. Um, it is uh, there's a lot of COVID happening inside the shows themselves. A lot of positive tests that have uh, forced shows to go dark because they don't have enough uh, cast and crew to to put the show on. Um, you know, and we have uh, we just have Penn and Teller who's coming back tonight after you know uh, come a, a little bit of a break, and it's their twenty first anniversary over at the Rio, and uh, they haven't seen anything like it. You know, the numbers are soft, the schedules are unpredictable, the climate is uncertain, and that is it. There's not much we can do about it other than to adapt as well as we can and keep people informed of uh, of this ever changing environment. But uh, you know, we I've seen it all the time. Almost every day we have a a rolling shutdown of shows uh, until they can you know be uh, safe to perform. You know, Shin Lim has had to stop some shows. David Copperfield, our friend over at the MGM mm-hmm. Grand, has had has had to adjust because there's so much um, uncertainty inside their shows of, about uh, the cast and crew being able to execute the show in the first place. 
John, so, Katz, yeah, we are in uncharted territory. Yeah. It's been it's been wild. John Katzlamidis joins us. Johnny Katz, hashtag Katz. Tell us about the musical genius uh, Michael Brennan passing away. How big of a story that is. Well respected, not only in this town but around the world. Boy, I'll tell you. I don't know. I just I, I get I was shaken when I heard it, and I'm still shaken by it. Uh, Michael was he wasn't a guy that a lot of entertainment. Uh, followers in Las Vegas maybe necessarily knew or knew of. Michael wasn't a huge name, but he touched a lot of shows in Las Vegas. His impact is felt all across the city, beginning with, uh, he was a musician in, in uh, Avenue Q. He was uh, in the Starlight Express show as a dancer. Uh, he was the music director of uh, La Rev for 10 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, He's worked with show. Franco Dragon overseas. Uh, Mamma Mia! At uh, Mandalay Bay, he had a hand in. He had a hand in the Disney uh, uh, Lion King show at Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. He had a show, a musical, it's still under development, called Clown Town. It's brilliant. That showcased at UNLV four years ago and then in New York two years ago that's still being developed with some Las Vegas talent involved in that. Uh, and co-founded the Composer Showcase of Las Vegas with Keith Thompson, who was the music director of uh, Jersey Boys. And that uh, that has become one of our civic institutions, as, I, as I've written. Michael and, and uh, Keith knocked their heads together in 2006 and came up with this idea to give composers a place to test drive new music, original music in Las Vegas. And a lot of people thought they were nuts because there's not, you know, people were thinking there's no original music coming out of Las Vegas. Well, uh, it's still going on today at Myron's at the uh, Smith mm-hmm. Center. And Keith told me today that they're probably going to pay tribute to Michael in the February 23rd show. But, you know, my friends at Win Las Vegas, I was talking to them today. Um, he, Alan uh, uh, Menken from Disney worked with uh, Brennan. Mm-hmm. Menken's won eight Oscars. He worked on the music at Le Rev with Michael to, to redo that music. Eventually, Steve Wynn didn't, didn't go forward with that plan. But he worked with with Mencken, he's you know mm-hmm. he's a composer, he's a musician. He was a very funny individual. Right. When you talk about lighting up a room when he walked into it, that was that was Michael. He was a next level talent and huge loss to us. Sad We're to still hear. kind of rattled by it and really rattled. Sad to hear. I saw it on Twitter. I wanted to make sure I asked out of respect. Johnny Katz joins us. The death of Bob Saget and the impact that he had in Las Vegas and all the comedians. These stories, you know, Jimmy Kimmel broke down on his show, broke mm-hmm. down how to do that special open before the start of the show. They were great friends. John Stamos, all of these individuals who love Bob Saget were big, big Vegas names, and they all talk about, especially Don Rickles when he was alive, how mm-hmm. raw and crude Saget could be with this comedy that a lot of people didn't see on Full House and those shows and how funny he was and he would light up a room. Uh, Vegas and him would join at the hip. He had a lot of friends out here. Yeah, I did. He, um, you mentioned a few of them, but George Wallace was a good friend of his, dating back to the late 70s at the comedy store. Polly Shore, whose mother booked uh, Saget at the comedy store, who uh, Polly lives in Las Vegas. You know, he, he remembered him very fondly. Carrot Top, and you know, it was funny, in the, like two days before uh, Bob passed away, he, he talked about Carrot Top and how much he appreciated his brand of humor in Las Vegas. Uh, John Lovitz is a very good friend of his over at the, uh, who headlines over at the Laugh Factory, and John did a, has done a medley about Bob Saget that is pretty blue at the end of his shows, and they were very good friends, but he, he would skewer him as almost like, like a musical roast at the end of his shows. And, and John's, uh, you know... Um, you know, uh, close to him. And, and Saget, the thing about Saget was people talk about, oh, he was so blue compared to his 
personality on Full House and, and the videos, uh, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos, his personality was the same in both off the stage and on TV. Mm-hmm. It was just what he was saying that was so different. And that's why it, what made it so effective. You know, he was still that congenial guy, but what was coming out of his mouth <laughs> was really oh. off-putting. Really, really A blue. A lot of people. Everybody says that about him. Really, really blue. Yeah. Johnny Katz, as we wrap it up, let's end on Mark Davis. And this is an important question because you got to know Mark Davis really quickly when he came down here first on these trips just to get back to Vegas because his dad had a big impact here. And then he started scouting Vegas more in the stadium, and then you would sit down and see him in restaurants, and then you saw the charity work that he did. And you would go to these events where he'd write a check, and he'd be there for everybody. How happy are you that the Raiders, A, haven't had a losing season since they've come to Vegas, and now we're in the playoffs knowing the relationship that you forge with the owner? Well, it's funny you should mention that, JT, because, you know, we're talking about the Raiders in this season, and it has been a rocky ride this year for the Raiders, and, and uh, you know, there's no question about that. That win that they had Sunday was was unreal. I'd have never seen anything like it at all in my life uh, to come out of that game and win that game and go to the playoffs, but it's it's not been easy for this team. But I'm going back to when Mark Davis, for example, he, he signed up for the board at the Cleveland Clinic Lou Rugo Center for Brain Health without ever having visited the facility. He went to the Power of Love Gala, and they talked to him about it there. And he had never even toured it. And they told him what kind of work they were doing there, and he says, I'm on board, whatever you need. And then at the next board meeting, he came in and was welcomed as, as a, a full-fledged board member, and, and, has, and now they have the Raiders uh, support that mm-hmm. way. And, and all the work they do with, you know, with, the, with uh, head injuries as related to athletics, especially boxing in the NFL, is super important. I look at something like that and say, you know, they, Mark Davis has done what he can, everything he can to, to become a, a good community partner. And I think, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of an NFL season are going to be what they're going to be. But the team over on the top of that has really reached out locally. I love what they've done with the charity. I love what they've done to their entertainment, too, reaching out to you know, Las Vegas entertainers. Uh, and, and, you know, at halftime and before the game with the Raiders house band with David Perico, they, know, they knew how to make that happen. So I'm I'm uh, I'm happy for Mark that way. I uh, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting game Sunday, but uh, to come out of this season and be playing a playoff game, the Raiders have to feel pretty good compared to what you know what has gone yeah. on with the team. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you out this weekend. I'm about town this weekend. Make sure you find me. I'll be out there, brother. I'll <laughs> Take care. You. There he is, Johnny Katz. Liking what he, I uh, really enjoyed what he said at the end. I wanted to ask that Mark Davis question because this was a tough year for the owner. Clearly, those who know the owner and to see how he helped out in this community during COVID and the charity work he did and where he was on weeknights and showing up at events and writing checks and helping out the community. And now his team's in the playoffs. That to me is exceptional. It's exceptional what has happened. Look at your watch. Look at your calendar. It is January 13th of 2021. If I told you a year ago when there were no fans and you couldn't go to the game, that next year you would go and see the greatest games potentially in Raider modern history. As a season ticket holder, you saw the walk-off to Zay Jones, opening night Baltimore, and then bookend with the great win against the Chargers. Those are two of the nine games. They got an extra home game this year. All of that happened this year. Then the resignation of the head coach, when we talked about the Ruggs fatality, everything that happened, and we're sitting in the playoffs. We, this is a community, 
I said this when I was up in the Bay Area too back in the day. But the big issue was back in the day, there were a lot of people trying to torpedo the Raiders up in the Bay. There were politicians, there were local radio stations, there were partners who behind the Raiders' back were not honest, weren't truthful, and did not want to participate with the vision of the Raider brand. That is fact, not fiction. That is fact. Now the Raiders come to Vegas. It's not perfect. We're a brand new flagship station. We got new guys coming and gals into the lineup. We're trying to make this work for you, the Raider Nation, so you'll something that you can call your own, that you can protect it, you can listen to it, you can be critical of it, you can call it, you can tweet it, you can do whatever you want, but at least you know that it's here for you. We're not splitting time with a whole bunch of other people to try to make sure that the Raiders don't get what they deserve. The Raiders are getting what they deserve, and we're getting even more than that. We're getting an opportunity to talk about the playoffs really quickly in the history of Las Vegas Raiders football. Okay, This team is a team that's never had a losing season. They were 8-8, eight and eight, should have won 10 games last year. They won 10 this year. They should have won how many? Come on, I mean, really, how many games should they have won? Definitely should have got that Giants win. All right, so that's 11. Okay, then I'll give you, give me one more potentially between the Bears and the Bengals. Well, the Bengals beat them there strong. At the Chargers, no. You know, there were a couple other games, and then you could, you could take maybe a game away that Carlson made a kick at the end. I think the Raiders are a 10 or 11 win team in the real world right now. That's who they are. Next year, we don't want to see them take a step back. Next year, we don't want to see them go back. They want to go forward. And I saw that schedule come out for next year. Oh, that's tough. That's a tough schedule, man. They don't schedule, guys. They make the tough ones. What do you got? Patriots mixed in. Little Nashville with the Titans. Double Kansas City. Double Chargers. I mean, other than the Jacksonville game, and you know they're going to be improved. That schedule. <laughs> the that NFC schedule, West. The NFC Niner Empire. Niners coming here. Oh, I mean, I think the Raiders are going to be vastly improved in the offseason and going to have a better draft. I say that every year. I hope I'm right this time around. But the players, they retain the decisions they make in the offseason. It would be very nice. But that schedule, man, I saved the schedule and I sent it to my son because he just, my, both my sons went back to college, but my son, they're staying late. My son, John, I want to give him credit for it. This kid's something. He drove from Oklahoma to Dallas, drove from Oklahoma to Dallas, and went to the game. Went to the game and walked into the belly of the beast in Dallas with his fraternity brother, and he saw that victory. And then he saw two victories here. He's undefeated. So he said, Dad, what about me going to Cincinnati? I go, who's paying? I didn't pay for that. I'm paying for out-of-state tuition. I'm paying for out-of-state tuition. I'm off the hook, man. Here's some beer money. Some Roberto's money. You know, he likes the Roberto's. Oh, that's it. I ain't paying. But if he really wants to go to Cincinnati, and he just got back. He's got good grades. So he screenshot me his grades from last semester, which was strong. And I said, man, now he's looking. He's stub hubbing around. I just got to call the Raiders, man. I got a hook. I gave, he gave him two in the upper deck. But he just got back to Oklahoma. Girlfriend waiting. Wants to go watch the game. But, man, he is hammering me. To go there, I know it's too far of a drive, and the flight he can pull off there, but whatever he wants to do, he can do. we got to go see him. Got to go see him here and have a good time. But that's what we're doing here. We're going to have a good time this weekend. One more show tomorrow. I'm off from my national show tonight, Saturday. Here's the plan. Q, Damon, you're going to be there. You're going to be up early there. Get over to the M. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. 
I got a room there that night, man. Maybe just slide by for a cocktail, man. Oh, that man. night, man, slide by. I talked to you about my friends. I got to tell you on there. I talked to you about my friends. Like, hey, I'm going to be working with the brick tomorrow. Yeah. And my friends who don't even know you, like, oh, the brick. You talk about him a lot. Oh, that, working you know, with the brick. Different guy, different guy off the radio than on the radio. Come slide by the room. We'll have some fun. Raiders Tavern and Grill. I'm going to be camped out there this weekend too. So that'll be on Saturday. Come see us. And I know the guys have uh, some special programming later on tonight. Uh, we'll get into that. Q will tell you about that. But great day, Damon. Thank you. Thanks to all of our guests. Appreciate everybody listening. Thanks to our proud partners. Remy Martin. Tori and Remy Martin, thank you. We team up for excellence. I will definitely have a Remy sidecar in my hand tonight at Beatles Love.